Good evening and welcome to the Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee on November 18th, 2021. My name is Jessica Moringer and I'm with Ashley Briars on remote video and we'll be facilitating the Zoom portion of the meeting tonight. We will work alongside Chair Nick Kuzmiak, who's on remote video to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Currently, we have people muted so we can talk through the general ground rules. This meeting is being recorded and will be posted on the city's YouTube channel within 48 hours. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. Um, you can turn your camera on and off too. Uh, for the purpose of this meeting, please keep your video on for the duration you are participating. A few reminders to ensure that the provisions of the Kansas Open Meeting Act are met. As participants, you must state your name and title each time you speak. Individuals who signed up in advance for public comment will be called upon Ashley, did we have anybody sign up to participate today? She's indicating there's no one has signed up to participate and there's no one in the building with us uh, from the public. Um, if they do, anyone does show up, we will help facilitate um, their engagement in tonight's meeting. All uh, staff will uh, remind everyone again to mute yourself when you're not speaking and we'll turn it over to Nick for introductions. Good, Nick Kuzmiak, Chair of the Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee. Good evening, everybody. Going to start with introductions. So I'm just going to go around my screen to who appears to be in order. Um, I'll start off. I am Nick Kuzmiak, as I've already mentioned. I'm here representing the Multimodal Transportation Commission. Uh, Josh, you're up next. Uh, Josh Spence, representing Lawrence Associations of Neighborhoods, Pinckney Neighborhood Association and I am the vice chair with this committee. Thanks, Josh. Dot. Hi, I'm Dot Neary, and I'm representing the Healthy Built Environment Work Group of Live Well Douglas County. Thanks. Ari, I know you're not officially part of the committee, but do, do you wanna introduce yourself anyway? <laughs> Hi, I'm Ari, and I'm the intern with the MPO. Thanks. Kevin? Oh, hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, let's see, um, with uh, uh, Independent Sync uh, uh, on the Accessibility Task Force. Thank you. Uh, Ashley? Hello, I'm Ashley Breyer. My name is Ashley Breyers. <laughs> I'm a transportation planner with the MPO. Thanks. Althea? Hi, I'm Althea Schnocki. I'm the member at large. Dave? Dave Cronin, uh, City Engineer in Municipal Services and Operations. I'm one of the staff advisors. Gregory? Gregory Critchlow uh, here with uh, Multimodal Transit Commission. Max. Hi everyone, I'm Max Schieber. Uh, I'm with KU Transportation Services. And Lance. Uh, Lance Fay here, I'm representing uh, the Lawrence Public Transportation Advisory Committee. Uh, Janan, I'm assuming that's you on the, uh, Jay Amin, if you'd like to introduce yourself, uh, feel free. 
Janana, uh, I mean, I, well, I did not expect to talk about Sorry. <laughs> as a public. <laughs> um, yeah, resident in the city, and I'm interested in multimodal transportation in the city, which is why I'm here tonight. Thanks for attending, and we'll maybe hear you have a public comment later. So thanks for coming. Uh, Jenny? Hi. Um, sorry, my video is not working. This is Jenny Kramer from KDOT. It's noisy here, so I'll be muted. All good. And Laura, we're just doing introductions. Yeah, um, Laura McCulloch with Lawrence Douglas County Public Health. All right. Back to me, Nick Kuzmiak, Chair of the Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee. Thank you, everybody. Good to have you all, all on. Let's move on to Part C agenda. Uh, sorry, Part B, meeting notes. So we are receiving them. Does anybody have any questions or, or uh, I guess, proposed revisions? All right. Hearing none, I think that's it. We don't actually have to approve them. We just have to receive them. So onward and upward. Moving on to the agenda items, draft survey results discussion. Right, that's gonna be me. I'm Ashley Breyers, transportation planner. Before I get going though, can we take a picture? So we have record of our meetings. Uh, Ari, could you do a screenshot? We could count to three and then do that. Okay, everybody ready? Big smiles. One, two, three. going again okay we're good okay thank you Ari all right I'm going to share my screen okay so our survey closed on Sunday and we received over it's about 550 responses we're pretty happy with and wanted to say thank you to all of you who helped us table. Uh, it was a very big effort uh, going to, I think we went to 16 places and it was five or seven meetings. I don't remember the exact number. And it was just a lot in three weeks-ish. So thank you again for your help on that. So we exported the survey results and attached them to the agenda on Monday. And I kind of want to go through it very quickly because we have a bunch to talk about at our next item. So I'm gonna go through this fast and then hopefully you all have had a chance to look through it and can look at it more deeply later. But the first thing I really wanted to talk about was the vision. So lots of people really supported the vision, the old vision. We did get comments about things that should be included and we think uh, it would make sense to include the word accessible and equitable. Uh, those were in the comments, which were here if you wanna read through all those. Um, we also have the results of the sidewalk questions here. And if you just scroll through them, almost, well, all of them except for one have both sides as the majority number. So both sides, both sides both sides. This was the only one that's close. So existing neighborhood streets. It wasn't an overwhelming responsive should be on both sides for that one. That's the only one. Then for you know, roadways, which is the basically the way streets function now when they don't have sidewalks. A lot of people were uncomfortable with that. And a lot of people were uncomfortable with the 
advisory shoulder as well. All the intersections we will talk about at a future uh, item, the next one. I won't go through that. And then this is the top barriers. And the major takeaway from here is that the first, the top five, really have to do with driver behavior and sidewalks. So that, that really gives us good direction as we're formulating the plan. We'll talk about that in a second. Lastly, let's zoom back out. We have all the demographics. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, we had a good split or not, and we, we seem to. We've not dived into these to like look at, compare them to our demographics yet, but that's something that we will do. We did skew a little older. Those are our survey results. And so the question on the agenda was, is there anything that really sticks out to you uh, as you look through those? And we could also talk about that later in the next agenda item, if, we, if that makes sense. That sounds good. Thank you for presenting. Nick Kuzmiak, Chair of Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee. Um, yeah, so I guess before I open it up to questions, I just wanted to give a big thanks for staff again for getting all the word out and really doing a bang up job with all the engagement and tabling, especially because it's not like it's been particularly warm the past few weeks. So a lot of these are probably close to outside. So, um, And for any of us and volunteers who, who helped um, an additional thanks because it's not like you're being paid for this. So very much appreciate that. I did not, so sorry, but I saw Althea out there and I'm sure that there were others of you who also pitched in, so very much appreciated. Um, I'd like to turn it over to anybody who has comments, who's had a chance to read over some stuff and you know, any immediate takeaways? I thought it was, in, this is Dot Neri from the um, Libwell Lawrence. I thought it was impressive that over 90% of the respondents supported the vision. So that's good. Um, but I think, the, I think the sidewalk, it was pretty clear that people see the sidewalks as an issue and that they see that as a city versus a homeowner responsibility. So I thought that came through pretty strong. Yeah, I think that, that sentiment echoes what we saw kind of playing out at City Hall over the last few years with the issue of sidewalks and who's supposed to pay for them. So yeah, it makes sense. Not particularly surprised to see that. Um, so I had a quick question here. How many survey responses were in person versus online? Like how many kind of handwritten surveys do you think you had? Uh, Ashley Breyer's transportation planner. So we had to input the paper ones into the online survey. Okay. Ari, do you have any estimate of how many you did? Yeah, we can tell you that. I can't tell you that right now because we okay. input them as we went, um, but we also track what event we get them at so we can see how effective our different locations are at response rates. Um, yeah, we'd have to look back. We'll tell you. We'll tell you in the final plan probably because we have all of the paper copies still, so we can tell you that. That's all good. Sorry, you. I don't know that. That's okay. Nick Kuzmak, Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee Chair. Um, I think it would just be interesting to know to see, I guess, A, how effective the tabling was. It, it seems like you got quite a few responses anytime I say you got y'all out there. And um, 
be useful for other groups and commissions and committees in the future to know like which spots work and which ones aren't particularly effective. And I'm sure you already have kind of a, a sense for, for what doesn't work, but it'd be good to know for the rest of us as well. Um, let's see. So my, my guess, Nick, just for reference, is probably at least half were paper. That's good. So obviously tabling was important. Um, yes. Which is, it's interesting because the recent Lawrence Liston survey for the downtown parklet program had what, 2000 responses? It was crazy. So I guess it's, it's interesting to see who cares about walking depending on where it is. Um, so anyway, let's well, see. Um, this is Dot Neary um, from Louisville Lawrence. Was that other survey shorter? Cause this was a fairly long survey. Um, I think the parklet one was a bit shorter. I'm not criticizing it. The, the question no. Yeah, Jessica Moringer, Transportation Planning Manager. I think that one was driven a lot by local businesses pushing people um, to get engaged. It was political. And so mm -hmm. unlike this, which is very large scale, all the issues as opposed to one specific political issue, like if we had went out and said just something like, should you have to pay to install sidewalk if you don't have sidewalk? Like it would have been a diff, you know what I mean? It drives an issue differently based on how political it is. Excuse me, Chair. Um, so one of the things that is kind of a to-do item for me is to actually read over all these comments. As part of the MMTC and PTAC, we, we do get information from surveys fairly frequently, and there's some real gems usually hidden in the sort of open-ended responses. And since this one was a relatively open-ended survey, um, I'm certainly going to do my best to read over these. I obviously didn't have the time before this meeting, but the plan is to try to get through these in time to get any useful feedback or insights I might see to you who are kind of drafting up the plan. So what would be a good timeline to try to have some more thoughts in? Because obviously this is our last scheduled meeting. Yeah, so Jessica Moringer, Transportation Planning Manager, we have to figure that out. So one of the things we kind of set these first ones knowing like we don't, we can get the work done between the meetings. Um, and now we're to the point where it's like the content of, of writing the draft of the plan. So what we're gonna present to you tonight in some of the action list is some of the high level stuff that comes out of the scope of work and then the other side of it is some of the questions to start framing an outline around starting some of what our research is finding, starting some of this. But I think that's not to say that that's not like just our conversation tonight is not all that list is going to be. It's going to need to evolve and we're going to need to add meat to the bones of what that outline is. So while we're while we're talking about some of those things, I'm not sure what, how it's gonna proceed. I think it depends on the scope of the extent of how you feel and some of that comment is and where we're at on that. Um, and then how much more you want us to do some work and then respond to actually something in writing versus talking about it at a concept level. Um, and so I think we'll hopefully hear that feedback from you tonight. And I would be able to give you a little bit better indication about when, how soon we think we are going to schedule a, a next committee meeting, because I don't know the answer to that yet. And that's where we're kind of at in that process. I would hate to say, you know, well, we have holidays also, so we need to recognize that, but I would hate to say like two weeks. And then it's like, we don't have time to do the work because you'll see tonight 
you know, we, we flipped this results just from, from get the survey closing on Sunday. So you're going to see the beginning parts of our process and we want to let you into some of that insight. So we don't get too far. Um, and you can tell us like, no, we don't like this or go more in this direction. And we're going to have to present some additional work to you. So what you're seeing tonight is not complete. It's literally a lot of first concepts of things. Um, and so hopefully you can give us that feedback about that. And then we'll have to set something up once we can figure out how much more work we have to do. Okay. Thank you, Mac, Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee Chair. That sounds good. Um, in that case, I won't feel bad about it if I don't get to it in the next two weeks. I'll just try to eventually start, you know, digesting all the information. Yeah, just the Moringer Transportation Planning Manager. And you'll find, I think, in the comments, because I've skimmed through them all once, but we have, we will also digest them. So one of the things we will do as part of this planning process is we will take all of the raw comments we've gotten and we will categorize them. So is it about a specific bill environment improvement? Is it about safety or drivey driver, like we'll come up with some categories to help put a picture together to help frame some of it. Because if you read through it now, you'll notice like there's some cryptic things the way that so software exports data. There's some comments that are all next to each other. Some comments are multiple comments about the same theme. We'll try to, we'll try to make it make sense so we can make sure that we're supporting um, the idea. I mean, some are very specific projects. I want a sidewalk gap filled on this street. And, um, you know, we're talking system level. So some of it we can address, some of it we can't. Somebody will be maybe pleased because one of the things they had was about Naismith sidewalk. And there's a See, there's a project, grant-funded project for Naismith Sidewalk from 19th to 23rd. So there are some things I think, you know, this process is a little bit of education, a little bit of input. It's people's personal projects. It's, pe it's theory, you know what I mean? And we're going to, we'll try to balance all of that to come back out with something that we think reflects movement towards what we feel is the, is the very supported vision. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that additional explanation. I'm going to pause here for a sec just to make sure that there isn't anybody else on the steering committee who had uh, thoughts, insights, questions. Uh, Dot and Ari, live well, Douglas County. I was hoping that you would be categorizing them, so I'm glad to hear that because they, they're, they're wide reaching and that would be really, really helpful. Yeah, we just haven't had time to do that yet. I'm kind of amazed that you've had time to input them all into uh, the online survey, honestly. That sounds like it was a lot of work, so. Yeah, we did it as we went. We've learned. Don't okay. leave it all till the end. Do it as you go as much as you can. Makes sense. <laughs> um, so when I was at least reading through some of the Gregory, earlier comments. Oh, sorry. Gregory, go ahead. Sorry, Gregory Crusoe with uh, AMTC. The one thing that'll be interesting is to understand um, driver behavior as it um, pertains to pedestrian planning, uh, you know, because at one instance we're talking sidewalks, but then we're talking how comfort, the comfort level of people being pedestrians on a sidewalk, we're talking about driver behavior. You know, a lot of the times we see that in uh, the context of biking and, and protected lanes and things of that nature, but as a pedestrian, um, it'll be interesting to see what the correlation between those two are and the influence of our current vehicular uh, presences at this point. Thank you, Zmiak, Chair. Yeah, Gregory, I was reading over that as well, and I thought, hmm, really is a lot more about speeding than you would think, given the fact that there are a decent amount of sidewalks in Lawrence. And it wasn't until I looked at the, I guess, staff items, like after the agenda, 
where there is new information on crash data on the, um, I guess it's the current status memo or something. And it looks like something like a large percentage of accidents all occur at intersections for both bikes and pedestrians. So I have a feeling that since intersections are the greatest point of conflict, then maybe that's what it's referring to. It's not so much the sidewalk, it's where the sidewalk ends. Um, so I'd be interested to see kind of how we deal with that going forward, but it seemed like it was a major concern. Uh, Kevin has his hand raised. Oh, hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, let's see, I was uh, pleased with, I don't know if it, if, okay, that's just put up for sub, submissal or if it, anything has happened with that, the uh, major thing with uh, like going from 30 seconds to, I think it was 47 seconds for, I mean, when I've been on crutches, um, uh, yeah, it takes a little while if somebody's on a walker or slope or, you know, senior citizen, you know, all of a sudden, you know, oh, it changes, changes uh, red, you know, halfway in between. Um, but anyway, yeah, being in a wheelchair, you can go a little faster, but yeah. But anyway, um, has anyone uh, know anything about that? Is that like just been thrown out to uh, to you know just as a, a suggestion, or has anything gone any further with that? That's all I was wondering. Hey, Jessica, do you want me to speak about it? Because it's something, I think this is something me and you spoke when we did, uh, when we did the, the thing there at uh, 6 in Wisconsin. Or do you want to take it, Ashley? Either way, either, any of us can, whichever, if you feel comfortable, you can speak about it. Uh, okay, I was going to bring up the fact that the city has hired, does, uh, the MPO does have a, and will it does have an ADA compliance per, uh, or ADA access person for different access issues, and also is working with the uh, working with the MPO to kind of make sure that sidewalks, crossings, and stuff are more ADA compliant, but also are are user uh, user friendly. I think is the right word. Yeah. So, Kevin, I think you're talking about signal timings, where we went out to test some of the new signal timings. And um, in some corridors, we talk, we have that highlighted. Um, Ashley had put a map in the existing conditions memo that shows the corridors that have already been done, where the crossing times have already been completed. And then the Municipal Services and Operations Department is in year phase two of the signal coordination. And they have a whole another set of intersections in corridors that they're working on right now um, that will be implemented, I don't know, Dave, in the next six months, nine months. And then there is a the remaining intersections, and those are the ones that I think likely um, we'll work with MSO to find out what their plans are for those, and we'll make sure that we have recommendations in the plan to address that those signal timings also get brought to best practices. Okay, cool. 
We had um, also uh, some visits, Dot and Josh and our ADA coordinator, Evan Corinta and uh, Multimodal Transportation Commissioner, uh, Carol Bowen, all uh, visited intersections with us um, that have new signal timings in the first phase of that program um, to cross at all the intersections um, at, at some of the, or all the crossings at those intersections. And um, overall, everyone uh, had the experience that um, they felt that the crossing times were adequate, um, that the larger concern, again, is driver behavior. So the driver pulled up too far into the crossing, wasn't yielding um, while you were in the crossing or, you know, turns. Of course, there's a lot more of us there than just a single person. So I think that helped with visibility in some cases, but we still experienced some of that concern. At one crossing, we were concerned about the audio level of the signal not being loud enough, and we let staff know that. So they can go out and check, verify that it's an adequate um, volume level. But um, that was a really valuable experience for us to do to understand um, what that experience is like um, from a lot of different perspectives, so. Okay, thank you. Lance, I couldn't tell if you were going to make a comment earlier and I cut you off. So if that was the case, then you can go for it. Not at this time, I'm okay. fine. All right, just wanna make sure I wasn't cutting anybody off here. Oh, okay, thank you. And Kuzmiak, Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee Chair. Um, let's see, I was curious about, so demographics look like they're generally pretty spread out, which is good. And I think to the credit of your tabling efforts, I think the one demographic that appears to be underrepresented would be K-12 students. And I don't know if you did any tabling at Free State or LHS or anything, but could you comment on maybe efforts to reach that group? Yeah, Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager. I think they probably are underrepresented. Um, in terms of engagement, we didn't do any K through 12 engagement. Um, maybe that is something we should consider as we work in the future to do engagement. Um, particularly, we didn't target a lot of parents around schools either because we have the Safe Routes to School plan that complements the pedestrian plan, although really that high school age group isn't included in that. So that might have been oversight on our behalf, um, that that's a group that we should continue to engage um, and work to try to engage in the future. I would definitely not put any blame on, on yourself because as a group, we gave you a lot of different ideas and I don't think that was among them. So yeah. um, it's, it's kind of on all of us and it's, it's good to see the demographic data from the survey to see kind of how we can learn from engagement and try better next time. So it's all good. It's just, uh, was an item of curiosity for me because I realized there's that they're kind of an interesting demographic in that they can walk and be and be kind of mobile, but they're not really represented very well in city politics just because they're young, right? Um, let's see. I think the final thing I was Nick Lance would like to speak. Lance Fay, um, representing and part of uh, of the transportation advisory committee. Uh, hey, um, if you want to get the K to twelve. Uh, kids to respond. Uh, it would be a good idea to find a way to go into the schools and make uh, an opportunity for them, either directly or electronically through through from inside the school. For that, I think that's your best bet of finding that demographic. And I say that from having kids in that 
age range. So. Excuse me. Do you think it would make sense to even go as far as have like an assembly? Is that still a thing? I don't know if people do assemblies anymore. Uh, yeah, Lance, it, it, they still happen, but I don't know if that would be, I think finding a way that it'd be integrated into the announcements of the day made by the school, or uh, I would maybe just engage with people through the schools and see if there's a way that you could create an avenue for students that may ride the bus to you know, or walk the sidewalks to uh, offer their input. Uh, but I would say try to find a way to do it within inside the school environment and you'll get a better response. Um, since I'm currently working in the school again, um, assemblies aren't a thing. And I don't think any principal would be willing to have an assembly for a city survey. Um, I will say that when we did safe route surveys, we got one or two back out of classes of 20. And so it may be better with electronic, do it on your own time, share it with family, but it's hard to justify the classroom time that teachers are expecting. All good points. Thanks for the insight. That sounds like this is kind of a difficult demographic to reach then even if you're in the school. So fair enough. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much all I had. Um, any other comments before we go on? This is Laura McCulloch with Public Health. I just have a, a general kind of clarification comment. As Ashley, you were scrolling through the responses, the view that you had looked different to me than the view that I had attached in the email. And I don't know if that's the case or if I just am looking at the wrong thing. I'm not sure. But the way that it um, was outlined when you were scrolling through looked different and it looked like it had some of the text responses for the other questions in addition to the final question about like share anything else. Yes, uh, Ashley Breyer's transportation planner. The version that was attached to the email was a attached before we added more information. So the online version is the most up-to-date, but it wasn't reattached to the email. Or, I'm sorry, oh, to the calendar invite. Okay, sorry. So is the that link in the agenda? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can send it to you. Thank you, Mac Chair, Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee. All right, if there aren't any further comments, as much as I'd like to geek out on some of the details of this survey, I'm trying to be mindful of the time because I did not realize last time that's only supposed to go to 7.30. So um, barring any urgent further discussion, let's move on to agenda item number, is it a number? Number two, draft action list discussion. So certainly curious to see what this looks like. Ashley, are you sharing your screen? There you go. Okay. Okay. Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. So based on the conversation, well, both based on two things, really the scope of work that we laid out, which kind of set some very clear expectations. We've come up with some of these bold headers across the top. 
Then as we start to think about the things that people told us were barriers, um, we start to fill in the content underneath, both based on best practices and some of the responses that we've, that we've heard. Ashley has posted in the chat a link to this mural. This is an interactive experience. If you want to also click on that URL link, um, you can come in and comment in here as we are participating also, and your comments will pop up on the screen, um, and we can read those and have this conversation. Ashley's showing you, you can click on the sticky note um, icon here to do that. Choose what color you want, put it on the thing, um, close that, and you can just move it around or type your text. Hopefully it's pretty intuitive. We will also type um, and record this as a log of what uh, people have said. So for anybody who is participating and wants to add that to the conversation, please feel free to do that. So across the topics, because we address really as barriers and from our scope of work, we framed, we're framing kind of the act, activities around this as building and maintaining the pedestrian network. So we'll, we can, I'm going to talk about all of them and then we'll, we can come and talk in each one. Some things could belong in multiple we see because they're kind of interlinked. And so we can, we can have that conversation if we need to move stuff. Um, so uh, we have crossings. We have driver behavior. Um, and we, after some additional conversation, I think we may change that to user behavior. It might be both behavior of both as we think about uh, user behavior on the streets. Um, while driver behavior is one part of it, there's also um, uh, pedestrian behavior or bicyclist behavior or skateboarding behavior that all kind of impacts um, some of that. Um, that based on some of the comments we heard, just even tabling. Uh, transportation and land use and design. So we heard really from staff about the need to kind of call out some of these things that we're looking for with the opportunities that are pending. And so we've started to kind of just from best practices, put together a bulleted list. We'll look at that in a second. And then if you scroll over, Ashley, if you don't mind, the last one on the list is placemaking streetscapes and comfort. So thinking about um, transit amenities, uh, we put in here the pedestrian legal framework. So thinking about what's illegal in terms of jaywalking and national conversations that are going on there and best practicing and comfort. So um, that's kind of how we framed it across the board to think about it um, in terms of stuff. We may be missing something. So this is just my initial cursory, like us putting together a bulleted list. So um, we, you want to, we okay if we just start at the beginning and go down kind of each category and I can show you what we're looking at and we can stop after each one or we can stop after the list. Uh, just real quick, um, yeah. just in case I didn't quite hear you. So is the content that's filling this mural from both what we talked about in the first or second meeting and also from the survey? Yes. And also from the, the things that we identified in the scope of work. So some things we knew, like we wanted to evaluate crossing stuff. So some of that, we're going to start filling these things in based on the fact that we wanted to do that from original. Okay. Thanks. That's yes. I thought just making sure I heard you correctly. Yes. Yeah. So I might not have gotten all of it though. They're good. Like, don't, don't think because it's not here that I'm saying it's not 
meant to be here. This is just us starting this process. And there might be things in the comments as we get through them and dive into them that we say, well, this isn't really addressed. Is there a way we can address that? And we can explore that. Okay. So starting at the beginning of thinking about building and maintaining the pedestrian network, um, we have the, the, the very top of that is network gaps. We put in there thinking about sidewalk connections. That's the most significant thing people said is a barrier is busy streets without sidewalks. Um, and so we put up here, um, we have some work we're going to show you in a second about some of those gaps. Um, as we, as we get to that, some of the modeling work that we started to do, but thinking about how we identify all of the gaps that are part of the city funded program priorities um, to start completing connectivity in the network. Um, and so currently the non-motorized prioritization program we um, in the other agenda item, we attached the list of those projects. You could see the bike and ped projects. We'll talk about those in a second with our, with our modeled mapping, but recognizing we identified in the scope of work to look at those other those other gaps. Um, we've had, we, we believe, um, and we have started this work, but we're not ready to share it with you yet, um, is looking at all of those block groups with the sidewalk network and the transportation disadvantaged populations index that to address if we need to add connectivity based on the ratio of sidewalks to streets within some of those block groups. So understanding if there are certain block groups that experience transportation disadvantage that have less access um, because they have less sidewalk network, do we need to address some of those block groups because they're larger neighborhoods without sidewalk networks? Um, and so you can think about that a little bit. Some neighborhoods have street grid, sidewalks on both sides, some have sidewalks on one side, and then there's some where there's sidewalks on neither side because of a, a time they were developed. So that's, that's going to be that section. So we're still thinking about gaps, right? Um, and then this question of the long-term network visions. What does, what does that look like? And I think this is where we're really hoping um, that um, we're gonna need to have some in-depth conversations about this. We started recognizing what people expect and that the fact that these in-street facilities really still aren't that perceived as that comfortable. Um, part of that's probably driver behavior, but what does that mean for private development? If the city hasn't identified it as a priority in their network, um, we began to put what we're hoping to show you and, and build the story about is how long, if we were looking at really legitimately building sidewalks on both sides of every side of every street, what are we talking about in terms of dollars and years? And so um, we're close to just a high level. We're going to hopefully develop some of these numbers and be able to show them to you. But we're talking about over at the current level of funding we're going right now for spending on pedestrian gaps. Um, it would cost close to like $80 million and be about 250 years for us to build sidewalks on every side of every street. So thinking about that in terms of just the city investment, if we were building network, um, how do we balance the desire for people to be able to have sidewalk or network or safe, you know, safe accessible routes um, and also recognize 
What does that long-term vision look like? What does that mean for what the land development code requires for sidewalks? What private, when private development um, is plotting or constructing, uh, developing inf infrastructure, what that means for where they are allowed to have variances or not, um, if there's not sidewalk in the section of a block um, and, and how agreements not to protest should work. So we're hoping to be able to present you some information so we can have that that conversation um, in this. So sidewalk improvement program, talking about reducing sidewalk hazards. The thing I think in the feedback that we heard, nobody said, I wanna pay for my sidewalk repairs. Um, Dot is right. There were a number of comments that talked about um, how sidewalks should be a city utility. Um, we, we are gonna to have to have some additional conversations. I think between the sidewalk improvement program and the ADA transition plan internally, we're gonna to have to have some additional conversations. Um, we know from the existing conditions memo that in year three of the sidewalk improvement program for sidewalk hazards, that um, they're enforcing the hazards, but there's many locations where there are so many hazards or the hazards are severe enough that it really requires reconstruction of almost the whole block, in which case then there's other concerns like cross slope, which are related to ADA that need to be addressed rather than just rebuilding something that also doesn't meet ADA. And so thinking about the balance of those things, um, in addition to responsibility, I think is going to need to be a conversation we have about what's realistic in the short term and then the long term, recognizing all of all of those needs. So um, the ADA transition plan, talking about the value and importance of that and the process in terms of recommendations of next steps. Um, and then again, here's some additional text kind of we thinking about that long term pedestrian network vision, two sides for new development, develop, that's what it is currently, that's what people kind of desire um, based on the survey results. What about in, in existing neighborhoods? What about um, gap infill uh, for equitable access? We talked about that. So those are the kind of the questions I would ask you as part of this section, if you wanna reflect on and respond to maybe anything that, I've, that I'm kind of throwing out there as a topic to begin the conversation. Any comments from the committee? Uh, Dot Neri, healthy built environment. I was just thinking like on my street, which is a neighborhood street, I don't see a need for both sides, but on a street like um, Naismith or one of the larger streets, that's when you really need sidewalks on both sides because it's so far to cross. So I, I think, I'm not sure the way the questions were asked presented scenarios. I mean, I think you gave good examples of streets, but um, I'm not sure about, I, I was surprised to see that people wanted um, sidewalks on both sides of the street in, in most of the cases. That, that was a surprise to me. Yeah. Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. I think it was interesting and Dot, just so you know, the current goal established in the Safe Routes to School plan or in, and with the Multimodal Transportation Commission through non-motorized is sidewalks on both sides of arterials and collectors. So those are the higher classification, higher volume streets. So all of the gap projects already include both sides of all of those streets. So 
um, the data that we collected kind of verifies that, that that is still the community vision. Um, and I would say that probably it's, we wouldn't touch that. Like there's enough evidence to prove that both it's wanted and that there's work and effort to do that already. Um, I think the issue that it comes down to is how do we address the, the conversation about local local streets? I mean, so far as to say we heard from some people like, well, it should be at the neighborhood's discretion, like in through neighborhood planning. Okay, well, but what if I don't live in that neighborhood, but I need to cross through that neighborhood? Um, and so I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a, it's on both sides of the spectrum and that's the, the issue. Uh, Josh, Vince, Chair Kevin, you had a comment? Perfect. Uh, yeah, um, Kevin. Uh, uh, yeah, the thing, you know, about, you know, putting uh, the biggest thing I have is uh, with, okay, um, putting a you know a city sidewalk on one side is fine. I don't see any problem with it. Uh, I well, I mean that's the way it is. Um, but putting it on two sides, you're going to be looking at easement uh, things. And but the biggest thing that gets me is uh, you know when. The sidewalk is on one side. Somebody doesn't do their sidewalk and they get fined and everyone on the other side uses the street. I mean, uses sidewalk. So um, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking. And then if, you know, if, if the sidewalk gets chewed up or something happens, you know, just just age. Um, like the homeowner is responsible for that and the people on the other side that use it, you know, don't, you know, don't have to pay nothing, but I think it ought to be a city thing. Um, but anyway, that's my opinion because uh, there's, you know, it, it's going to go two sides of the street or nothing um, or, you know, at least have the other people, you know, help out. You know, there's been people. Well, anyway, uh, I'll I'll pass. Thank you for the comments so far. Oh, chair of the committee, Kevin. Sorry, was I muted or no? You hear me? Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and I think what Jessica was saying is that th that is definitely going to be a part of the um, of the discussion as we go forward with these action items. Any other questions on this first column before we move on to the next one? This is Laura McCulloch with Public Health. I'm just thinking, I don't know how to actually implement something like this as far as looking at a data layer, but you know, if we're thinking about like, um, 
prioritization of local streets, which I don't know if it will ever come to that. Um, you know, as Jessica was saying, like 250 years of sidewalks in all the in all the areas in Lawrence. But um, you know, if it were to come down to prioritization, thinking about factors like um, which streets are less safe and what does it make what makes that street less safe um so if if adding a sidewalk would increase the safety of that so it's for example we talked about lighting so if that street already doesn't have great lighting and they don't have sidewalks um for example or um you know if there's a lot of on-street parking like in my neighborhood and a lot of the streets around my neighborhood there's you know a lot of renters um there's a lot of cars just parked on the street there's not you know a lot of areas for people to park on their driveways or in their garages and that sort of thing and so it's um you know a huge issue because um there's no visibility because there's no sidewalks and there's cars parked plus there's no lighting so it's like you know a combination of factors that make it less safe than potentially some other residential neighborhoods or you know if you're driving on Alabama like you're coming um toward Dillon's toward 23rd I believe is that street there um there's a lot of cars parked on that street too and I think there's not sidewalk there either. I think I noticed that as well. So just like those different considerations for neighborhoods like that. Uh, Lance Fay, uh, representing Public Transportation Advisory Committee here. Um, I would like to build on that and that there are, uh, as we look at where maybe some of the more urgent needs for uh, pedestrian safety infrastructure is needed. Uh, I mean, I can think of a few streets. Uh, I think of Learned uh, in particular that has not only are there no sidewalks, but there's ditches on each side of the street. And uh, between 19th and 23rd, there are no cross streets. So it is used as a highway by a lot of locals. And at the same time, there is Section 8 housing with people that rely on wheelchairs and scooters to get around that live in that area. And, and you know, that's an area where in order to improve it appropriately, it's going to require a little more infrastructure improvement. And there's a few areas like that in the city. Learned is one. Uh, there's some others in the southeast part of Lawrence. But if you go up in the North Lawrence, there's a couple. Um, and, and I'm sure we could find more. Because that is something that I don't know to what level the uh, infrastructure improvement needs are being considered in some of the most unsafe pedestrian areas of the city. So I'm curious as to how that might play in here and uh, how we might be able to help going forward to identify and not only identify where those areas are, but what might actually be needed to make them well. Lance, I'm hoping I'm not going to interrupt you, but what I had Ashley do was move. This is Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. I'd Ashley scroll over to the converse. And if we're not ready for this yet, you can stop me. But to talk about the gaps, the gap, the other gaps besides the other projects. Do are we ready for this? Thumbs up. Okay. All right. Sure. Go. So as we are thinking about where those gaps might be to serve some of the destinations in our community, um, and as I mentioned, the non-motorized prioritization uh, program has, and what we put on here in the little yellow lines 
Those are the projects that are already prioritized on the city list to fund sidewalk or shared use path gaps. Um, or well, some of them might just be sidewalk that are getting improved to shared use path. Um, if like, for example, Sixth Street, but um, that where we're saying these are on the list already prioritized to be built. So thinking about um, some of the, and because that includes both sides of all arterial and collector streets, those are the streets that we would expect in the network to have the higher volume traffic and speeds. Um, and so those are already those are already on this list. Um, and I would assume that they, based on this conversation and the public input, that's going to remain on this list. Those those gap projects are not going to go anywhere. So I think the next question really becomes the other yellows. There are some additional yellow projects on this list that are on local streets. And the current projects on this list that are on local streets are in relation to one side of the other routes that are identified as part of the Safe Routes to School program for some of those gaps that those are also on this list. Um, so you can see if it, you can understand if it's probably not a connecting street or it doesn't go through, Ashley's pointing her cursor to an example there of a local, what's considered a local residential street, but that we have a sidewalk project on it. Um, and so what we have also shown you here um, in, in black and red, um, the thickness determines the quantity of potential pedestrian trips. So this is a model. We've used this similar modeling technique for other things that we have done when we're trying to show where potential, right? Everybody can make a lot of guesses about where there might be high pedestrian potential. Um, and this is a data-driven way to, to analyze this. Um, and so we've taken... Um, with proximity to different destinations. So um, we have parks, we have bus stops, and we have healthy food destinations. And we'll look at, we'll kind of take a second to look at each of these. This is the beginning of our process of this. So thinking about where there are already projects, we can ignore those areas because that's already on the list. But thinking about where do we see, so black means there's existing sidewalk and it's high and it's volume. And red means there's no sidewalk, but the model put trips on that part of the network, assuming that that would be a route that somebody would desire to take. So it's like it's potential pedestrian demand. And this is hopefully an approach to say, okay, we can start to go in and look at some of those flow at some of those flows to say, well, oh, there's sidewalk on neither side of the street and there's high potential here. And what does that mean, right? As you zoom in to start looking about where might we wanna address gaps or where might there not be enough connectivity in the network. So this is, this is gonna be the beginning of that process to start to say, um, you know, to get to some of that conversation where we had about where could additional gap infill support trips to these destinations. So I don't know if we're gonna look at it too much detail. This is just the beginning output of this conversation. This is park access. We can move to the one here. You might wanna study these in a little more detail as we get into it. Here's transit. You can see the flows look a little bit different, right? Because the destinations are spatially distributed in different ways. There's more destinations. Um, but you can see how that trip making potential has changed and where some of those um, lines um, get thicker. 
pretty fascinating. We can ask questions then that lends us to ask some questions about some of this. You have to zoom in a little more and we'll start looking at all of this because we're going to hopefully pair each of these with the understanding the trip making within each of the geographic block groups that have transportation disadvantaged populations. Kevin, you raise your hand. Let me answer a question you might have. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. So I can get this online. So I, I mean, I can't, um, I was taking pictures of it, but I'm sure that it's available through a website just so everyone else knows so I can see exactly what <laughs> what's going on here. Yeah. Can you click the chat box at the bottom of the screen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, if you open the chat box, inside of that box, oh, okay. there's a link. And you should be able to open that link and you can move around yourself on this page. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so I can yeah. expand. and Okay, thanks. Yeah. thank you very much. That's yes. yeah. also wasn't wondering. Sure, sure. And, if, and of course, this is just our first exports from this. So we will start to build a data set that represents some of these gaps as projects that should be added to the list to improve access. So here's health, here's healthy food, access demand, um, and some of that trip making. So you can see in some places where there's no sidewalk any side, it's routing trips. It may not be that high volume of trips. Within the model, we have the, these scales are based on flow, and we can click in there to see um, based on every address, right? It pulls those routes into those destinations. Um, it's just a fascinating tool. It's one way for us to start a systematic process to identify maybe where there could be potential gaps that we want to infill in the network. Oak. Excuse me, for the Western Plans Steering Committee Chair. Yeah, this is a really cool tool. And I hope that we can uh, continue to kind of examine this in MMTC. I have a feeling you probably all already have plans to bring it to us, right? Yeah, Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager. So part of the recommendation in that second bullet under the building and whatever and um, maintaining is about amending the non-motorized prioritization program to go, because right now, remember, uh, this might be too technical, but it's based on a different model approach, not the flow approach. And we're, we're proposing that the recommendation in this plan be to change it to the flow approach. That's a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't want to necessarily talk about specific projects. What I think my goal would be to hear overall, do you think this is a good approach? What we would propose to do then to bring back to you is the existing yellow lines of projects and um, the proposed additional projects that would support transit access, food access, park access. We will again have an opportunity then at that point, I think to say, hey, this isn't here. What other connections are we talking about? Because I think we're still gonna have to talk about Besides that, there's 
And hopefully when we bring that back to, we can bring you back the block groups where we're, we have additional concern where people have transportation disadvantages. If there are large sections where there's no sidewalk, we will also likely bring back to you a conversation about how we should address those. Kevin. Oh, okay. I'm sorry again. I, okay, I click on that. Um, uh, okay, I can see it now, but uh, is there, I tried to do a copy um, or I tried to do um, a copy link thing, that's not possible, or to uh, look at it later, or? Yeah, we can, if it's easier, we can send you a, a PDF of this, of the maps. Would that be oh, easier okay. for you? Yeah, I was trying to copy, copy the link, and I wasn't able to do it, or maybe I don't, uh, by one hitting the right thing but anyway sure. yeah i'd like to uh see some of the some of the uh you know the diagrams and stuff or the uh maps sure. and stuff it, would a pdf be the best way for you to be able yeah, to do that yeah okay. yeah that'd be great thank ashley, you ashley you can you have that file. Yeah, I, Ashley Breyer's transportation planner. I do have that. As, I'm not on VPN at the moment, but I okay. could log in and then email it to you. Okay. Okay. Uh, Lance Fay here. Um, okay. uh, I I like this map. I like what you're doing with it, and I look forward to seeing more of it and kind of seeing how it works in action and as it works to uh, help propose what projects get worked on. So thank you. Kuzmiak, Pedestrian Plans Steering Committee Chair. Uh, just to make sure I'm kind of reoriented here, are we kind of on agenda item three? Is that where we ended up looking at sidewalk well, gaps? <laughs> we ended up here with conversation. We can go back to one now. I just okay. had, because we were talking about it, I was like, let's move to this. We're not okay. done with two yet. <laughs> okay. That's what I, I just wanted to make sure I, I caught all that. So, okay. Um, I think it still probably d deserves at least a debriefing once we get there naturally, I guess, yeah. um, chronologically. Yeah. But okay. yeah, I think in the meantime, it would probably be helpful to continue with the other yeah. columns on the list. Yeah. So there's a lot of Jessica Mortinger transportation planning manager. There's a lot of depth to a lot of these conversations, right? And obviously we cannot accomplish that all tonight. And so I'm hoping to present to you at a high level, the ideas we're thinking about. So you can give some additional thought to each of those things and kind of have a time to, um, maybe make more concise and reflect some of the vision and we'll bring back some additional detail to you that will give you a little more information to start to, res to respond to and help us shape. So for those of you that haven't worked with us in this process, that's kind of where we're at on the journey. So I realize for some of you, this may not be enough detail. And for some of you, this may be too high level. Okay, are we ready for crossings? Okay. All right, so we're gonna probably do the same thing on this one, Nick, because I think you're gonna also be interested in seeing the maps in a second, and these are so interrelated. So um, first off, we have identify crossings for evaluation to add to the project list. Let's go through this whole list here and then we'll go look at the maps because we've mapped this, the responses from citizen input about crossing concerns. So 
Um, final, the final signalized crossings for evaluation to bring to crossing standard. That's what I talked about earlier, which is like phase three of the signal coordination times. Um, and then incorporate crossing improvements. Uh, this is just thinking about it. You know, we're going to do standalone crossing improvements, but really how do we think more holistically about incorporating crossing improvements in the reconstruction and maintenance of streets? So as we're doing it, as we go, um, and then, uh, our data-driven uh, geometric safety improvements and stand and and um, standalone and as part of reconstruction projects. So thinking about these might go together a little bit, um, maybe they're not. You know, part of it's how do you prioritize ones that may need prioritized as like a grant project for highway safety improvement funding, and this one's more like we're reconstructing this street. It's not a specific safety crash concern now, but it is a crossing desirable location. There's four lanes of traffic. What there's not, there's not crossings for over a mile. What what does that look like in terms of expectations? This crossing section is about crossing projects. When we get to the land use and transportation standards one, that's where I have the elements about crossing standards. Do you want to look at that before or talk about this first? I don't know. Um, I guess we can talk about this one first because we'll probably yeah. dive into land use a little bit more in detail. Does anybody else have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I, I'm squinting and um, is there any way to make that, yeah, uh, that part? Yeah, just, um, okay. Um, Okay, and then, okay. What right. new? Um, okay, so yeah, we we talked about that, and there's been a lot of improvement um, on that. And so it is under, I guess, construction uh, talking and stuff, and getting that all over with. And okay, so. So pretty much what that is, is saying we're working on it. So that's a good thing. So basically, yeah, yeah. And, and um, I would like to help with the data. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, I was, no, just curious about that. Cause uh, yeah, I see people you know, I get ready to go and I'm looking at the light. I go, okay, some of them, they don't let them go. And it's kind of very hectic to figure out, okay, who's going to, who gets the, you know, the walk light, who gets, you know, this and that. But anyway, yeah, it's a very confusing subject, you know, as a driver and a, uh, you know, pedestrian. So anyway, I'm going to pass. Other comments here before you want to go see the map of the crossings of concern and what we've put together so far for that? I think we can probably go to the map. Okay. So we, so we've been busy. This is what we did since Sunday. Um, when the survey closed, we have mapped all of the intersections um, that from those 550 some survey responses, 
um, there's 150 unique intersections that people told us are of concern. Um, so that, that, that's of interest, I think, just thinking about the distribution of a lot of those intersections. What we're showing you here, Ashley, can you scroll to the scale? But the bigger, basically, um, each dot, the bigger it is and the color it is represents the number of responses to that specific location. So that's just fascinating because we wanted to see is, is there a lot of, is there some commonality in people saying there's similar intersections of concern? Um, and what we put together here to, to start this conversation is that list of the top commented intersections. So very fascinating just to us as staff is 8th and Tennessee, one block away from where the most recent crossing improvement at 7th and Tennessee is. But if you go back and look at the map, 7th and Tennessee is also still on the list. Um, it just has fewer comments. So it also, uh, there's some comments about that in terms of, and we yeah. haven't, we haven't pulled these out. <laughs> yeah, we're hearing some feedback. Got it. Okay. Um, and so we're, so we're hearing some feedback still about um, perception of the effectiveness of that crossing location, again, in relation to driver behavior. Um, I, that's just something I would point out as we start to look at this. Um, and as we start to look at it, so based on basically how many people said that's an issue, we didn't really want to judge it entirely that way because somebody could say to all their neighbors and friends, Hey, come fill out about this one intersection. So we came back and we looked at it a different way, which is we took every single one of those points, regardless of how many times somebody input it. So if you input that intersection, those 150 unique intersections, and we scored them based on the non-motorized prioritization policy, which prioritizes streets that are higher classification, those arterial or collector streets, safe routes. Um, it prioritizes crossings that would be in areas where there's higher pedestrian demand based on a different model, not the flow model. And then it gives additional points to crossings if it's improving crossings on certain classifications. So here you can see the top list of crossings that the 19 and 18 scoring crossings where based on that information of how those might be prioritized, we could look at starting to think about where we would want to prioritize um, the conversation to think about for intersections. Granted, we have not had enough time to get into some of the specific comments of why people said these are crossings of concern. So I think that should also maybe play into the final list that we start to think about or how we want to develop this process. But thoughts about this in terms of we're showing you some a lot of information where you think an appropriate um, method to go. The idea behind all this, I think, is that these crossings need additional analysis and there needs to be a more systematic programmatic approach to doing that where so many crossings, whatever that number is within workload could be evaluated by an engineer. Um, and then once we get to the crossing design standards, some of the best practices on that chart to see which elements would be uh, the appropriate recommended 
if there's an engineering solution, and then that engineering solution, the built environment improvement would get added, would, would the project would get added to the non-motorized prioritization list so it could be scored and compete against other projects for sidewalk gaps in that list. It's, it's possible in the future that could be separated from sidewalk gaps, but I think that that's the process we have now, and that's how we've thought about it being incorporated into the process. That's why we thought scoring might be a good way to do it, because if you're identifying projects that would score high in that, then you're investing your time and resources in designing and investigating intersections that have the greatest potential. Um, thoughts about that? Kuzmiak, um, Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee Chair. So having been on MMTC a few years and going through the NMPPP um, scoring process and kind of revising it a few times, it, I mean, this seems like a trend in the right direction. I think by, by only prioritizing intersections that have a higher score for additional engineering review, yeah, it does sound like that would minimize extra resources. Um, I'm kind of curious to how that compares to how I guess intersection projects, if there are any, are currently added to the NMPP. So um, I don't know if Jessica, if that's in your jurisdiction or Dave, if you want to comment on that. Dave, thoughts? Let me answer. <clears throat> yeah, in the past, it, um, it's just the crossing improvements have just been identified by uh, receiving public input in the past or maybe staffs identified a crossing and so i think there's a big gap in uh in in uh the number of crossings that were not that are not included in the current nmpp that should be and that could be a higher priority than completing gap segments or any of the crossings that are on there so i think through this process and um, you know, we can identify, you know, this is going to give us some more focus on, hey, let's look at this location to include uh, in, in the uh, process as we evaluate all of the projects, whether it's a crossing project or a gap project. So hopefully that answers your question. But really, yeah, it's just we, do, we don't have a lot of... I will, Jessica Moringer, Transportation Planning Manager, I will caution, the current model is skewed to, the current prioritization pro policy is skewed to score crossing projects higher because it has that improvement. So I will note that all of these crossings score higher than any of those gaps because the highest scored pedestrian project is like a 14. So already, and there's plenty more that are still scored higher than a 14 on that list of 150. So there might have to be some consideration, I think, to balancing that resource of gap versus crossing or recognize that maybe we feel, I mean, I think that's the, that's the balance, right? Is there's no, if there's no more resources and this is the pot of money, are you spending it on crossing improvements to the existing network and say, you know, safety? Um, or are you filling the rest of the gaps to make a connected accessible network? And there's going to start to be these, you know, these tugs. And so because there were so few pro projects in that existing policy, I think this, they were saying like, oh, let's, if it was a crossing thing, let's elevate it because that's when people are in the road with cars, which I think is very high importance. But by 
by just at, if you were just going to like batch add all of these, then I think you have to be really careful because they're all immediately going to score higher than every other project based on how the current policy is written, which is why we need to reevaluate that or have a separate process. And you have like, we do two intersections, you know what I mean? You trade off or something. Yeah, that's kind of the direction I was going to go. It almost yeah. seems like it's very difficult to compare these apples to apples. And we found that out earlier this year when we tried to adjust the rankings based on the cost per linear foot. Like, well, how do you do that for an intersection? It's just, it's a point, it's not a line. So it almost seems like, especially because these are both bike and pet and car and transit, it almost makes sense maybe to look at these as a separate list. So I don't want to go too much more in the weeds here because that I feel like that's maybe a job for MMTC. But, um, you know, because we're going to go there, eventually it, it, it would be helpful to hear from other folks on this call who aren't a part of MMTC to kind of see what do you think. So Kevin, you have your hand up first. Um, what are your thoughts? Okay, hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, let's see, yeah, I mean, this whole survey is, you know, gave, gave a great, you know, uh, a great, uh, you know, insight on what people are concerned about and, uh, and, and, uh, well, and then these, well, I'm just going to just leave it at that. And uh, I think this is great. Uh, we can go from there. But, um, okay, once again, uh, sorry, is there a way to get this um, whole thing, PowerPoint or, or whatever, um, this whole, you know, graph or I don't know what uh, it's PowerPoint or whatever, um, to uh, like a you know a PDF file where everyone could kind of review it and um, expand on it and stuff like that and that's all I got. Thanks. Uh, Ashley Breyer's Justice Water. I actually just sent you an email with the demand line PDFs. I did not grab the, these maps, so I'll have to grab these. Okay, the, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I we don't have this table in a PDF, but we could get you the maps. Well, I mean, uh, okay, yeah, I'd like to like be able to span on the the graphs and stuff. For tomorrow, we okay. could put together okay. a PDF of the okay. table and the maps. Okay, thank you. That's all I got. I, I, this is Dot Neary from the um, Libwell Douglas County. I like that you're looking at this from different perspectives. These maps are fascinating, but I, I, I've got to really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just like that it's data-based and you're looking at diff it, it, the same issue in different ways. So I appreciate that. This is a lot of work. Yeah. Well, and I will point out that we haven't even given you all of it. So one of the things I would say, in addition to that, um, is, you know, this is just what people who self-selected, who we happened to talk to told us. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the reality is, 
um, we have a model. So we know about all of the cross, all of the crossings, right? And so we have some potential also to explore, you know, a different approach, which is to look at what the model tells us entirely for pedestrian demand and look at that and think about some things too, in terms of not just what somebody selectively told us. Um, and so, um, yeah, we opened up Pandora's box here. The Kuzmiak so, committee chair. It sounds like then the overall prioritization is going to get a little bit more complex because now writing extra layers. And I think it'll probably be up to MMTC and staff to kind of bounce ideas off each other and hopefully come up with some kind of, um, I guess, database and hopefully also equitable and financially realistic prioritization that we can do. So. I'm sure that'll be an interesting uh, topic for next year. And let me explain a little bit that. So when Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager. So when Nick says some of this is a role for MMTC, what he, what he, what he means by that is this process is not going to come to the final result. This process is going to make some high-level recommendations um, in a plan to say these are the next steps of developed process and programs and whatever we should work towards. And so in some cases, we'll have some really high-level concepts and we'll have some ideas about where we need to go. And then we will finish a plan and push it out the door and adopt it. And then we will work on implementing the plan, um, which will take each of these in bite-sized pieces and start to work on them to develop something more like a program. And we can lay out some drafts for some of this, like what we think, you know, as we're working towards it, like what we would propose. Um, but then that governing body, since that is their policy, their program that they work within as the official governing body to the city commission, will work on the actual final implementation and maybe some larger engagement around that spe one specific thing, as opposed to the insights that we lead up into that with. So I don't want anybody to think that by, by saying that some of that work is of that body, it's um, it, to explain that a little bit. Certainly good to note, yeah. Um, trying to think what else I was gonna say. So I guess the other concern I have about this is that, like you were saying, it's only uh, self-selected survey responses, which is admittedly better than we have now, right? Um, it only happens, what is it, every five years until we do the next pedestrian plan? I, I figure based on the budget cycles and availability of funds, that's probably good enough, right? Like I don't think we need to do any more frequent collection of process or any more project solicitation. It, it seems like this is a good enough frequency. Um, and then I guess every five years you can kind of check and see based on progress that's happened in new survey responses, You know, assuming we do this again in 2026, it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. So uh, any other questions on the map and intersections before we go on? Hi, uh, Lance Fay here for PTAC. Um, I'm going to have to leave the meeting before too long here. I would, uh, I, I, am, I really appreciate what uh, is being done so far. And I realize it's, you know, kind of a rough draft. There's more to go through. I would like to, whether it be through a meeting or just uh, some emails uh, to have some sort of an update after the first of the year, uh, not only on how this is all, being worked out, but also uh, if there are needs 
for further input, ways any of us can be of assistance in gathering information or processing that information. So good so far. Okay. Thank you. Jessica Mortinger, Transportation Planning Manager. So I assume we will be meeting again. We will schedule something with all of you. So don't think that we're done just because there's nothing on the calendar. Okay, we ready to go back to the list? Oh, and just a quick process check. So I know we're meant to end by 7.30. We're only on agenda item two. We've covered a little bit of agenda item three, but there's. it looks like there's a lot more to go and a lot more discussion to be had. So I think before we jump right into it, can I get a quick show of hands of who has to leave at 7.30? Yeah, I gotta get out of here. All right, Lance, okay. okay. So we'll lose two. Um, is everybody else okay with going further than that? Jenny, I see your hand I too. I see another, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to do that, Nick, just because we committed to people's times, but how about we run yeah. through the last of this um, so that way we can give you high level. If you have some other thoughts, you can always email them to us. Um, and then people can, if they have to leave in that, in that meantime, can watch the video, the recording of what else we're talking about here. So that okay. way, at least we can understand if we're in the right direction going forward. Okay. Great. Um, just out of Kevin uh, here, um, just out of curiosity, we're on driver behavior. Yes. Oh, that's a, that's a big thing with me. Okay. okay. Then that's what I'm going to say about this. We have a lot more work to do on this one before I want to have too, too much conversation about it. We have been reading a number of studies around enforcement of a lot of the, the barriers um, that people experience in terms of yielding and speeding. We have started just um, some internal dialogues and conversation. We are waiting um, for the Neighborhood Traffic Management Program, we just got the draft report about the effectiveness of that program, and we want to be able to dive into that um, and understand that a little bit better um, and some of our research. We recognize that, one, there has to be work done around roadway culture, um, and that happens basically in national best practices through education and enforcement. Um, just some highlights of what we've seen in the research um, about even pedestrian yielding. I read a study the other day that was about um, pedestrian enforcement where they were enforcing yield rates and posting those at intersections. Um, and they did a study where they did a bunch of different intersections, some of which they just enforced yielding. Um, and in some, they put up a big sign that said like yielding behavior enforcement and um, or something of the sort and a big yellow sign. And it got a lot more... Um, visualize on it because people realize why somebody was being pulled over and they observed more effective yielding rates following that just because of the, the perception of that rather than just the sole enforcement of something. So I think those are the types of things I think we're going to have to think about and understand, like Gregory said, the psychology um, for user behavior behind um, thinking about cell phones, thinking about other users, and we're we're diving into this research. I don't think we're prepared enough to talk about this yet um, and to present some concepts that we might want to entertain as part of either an expansion of neighborhood traffic management, part of neighborhood traffic management, a separate program. We need to have some more internal dialogue. I think about what's realistic here. We also asked law enforcement to follow up with us um, about the 
work they're doing now to understand about the racial impacts of traffic enforcement. And we want to understand some of the output of that work and study um, to understand the impacts that it might have in this role. So that's what I would say about this. Any thoughts about that? You're right on track right there. Okay, transportation and land use. This is the other area we spent a lot of time reading about. So at a high level, the brick sidewalks, talking about those in terms of, we heard some comments in the survey about them, um, standards to identify appropriate crossing, that's in our scope of work. Um, and I think this street design standards to provide greater flexibility and design for all users. So thinking about what that means and how that impacts walkability. We pulled here together, this is a lot of text, but you don't need to read it all. All you need to know is those are elements of our comprehensive plan that tie back to some of the connections that we feel like are gonna be really inherent in making the connections to PED plan implementation and tying it to our strategic plan in which some of those things will happen um, in that conversation as part of this land development code update. And when we, um, we were having our conversation with staff about how do we have, how do we do this work in a well-intentioned way to present some ideas and concepts that it can then be used maybe as some starting conversations as they get into the land development code update, which is set to start next year with a consultant. And so we just started at a really high level and we're gonna build the case around how each of these impact the pedestrian experience. We also heard um, from our sustainability staff partners about the work they're doing under climate action and how their desire also to tie back the, the case for elevating walking as viable transportation for the output for the goals around sustainable, like reducing single occupant vehicles. So thinking about the tie back to our impact on vehicle miles traveled and single occupant vehicles. That was really high level, lots of concepts in there. We're not gonna talk about any of them specifically, I hope right now, but that we're doing some additional research and work. So then what we present to you will be some additional text that we hope you can respond to and tell us if we're missing anything. And then some of this was also in our scope of work. This comes really out of our scope of work here in terms of thinking about all of these things. We heard about block driveways and brush clearance and winter weather policies and trees and shade for lighting. Um, and so we'll dig into the comments and all of those. And um, we've done some additional research around lighting and trees to present to you in both existing conditions in the future and um, possible future other recommendations based on what we find. Um, again, transit accessibility, placemaking, bus stuff, that stuff we talked about in our scope. We're gonna include some of that content. And then um, we're gonna do some research about the pedestrian legal framework. So thinking about who is impacted by laws like jaywalking or street harassment and thinking about what that means in our community um, for people who are walking. Okay. It's 7.30 exactly, we're done, no, I'm just joking. Um, so I think hopefully that gives you a really high level look at how this plan is trying to be really comprehensive at addressing the things that we knew were outstanding needs and also identifying and hopefully working towards addressing some of the barriers that the community raised to us in survey responses.
And that is our hope. And so if anybody has anything now, or as you, I think you're going to have to sit on some of this and think about it. Um, and we will, we're going to continue to work in this way. Don't feel like at any point in that process, we get a little bit down the road and you say, well, uh, what about this? Instead, we can have conversations about these things. Um, this is just the first step in our process to keep moving forward. Hey, Kuzmiak, Chair, Pedestrian Plan Steering Committee. Thanks a lot for kind of going through that both in detail and, and fast. I'm impressed. Um, just, a, I guess, a quick kind of conclusion question here. So as somebody who's pretty familiar with both the process right now and the previous pedestrian plan, what would you say so far are looking like the most, the most obvious improvements or really big changes? Well, Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager. I'm gonna say during the last, let's put this into context. When we wrote the first pedestrian, regional pedestrian plan in 2016, we built the sidewalk GIS network to be able to tell the story of that plan. We are in a completely different place in the sense that we have some foundational progress that has been made. And I think we can use those successes to build on that all across the board, in almost all of those categories, we have made progress already in doing something since 2016. So how is it, how effective has it been? We're telling that story. And I think we can continue to move forward with that. So I think it's, com it's completely different. Um, it's, it's literally like, you know, I don't even know an analogy to compare it to, but I was explaining, it's like, it is, it is completely different. It seems like going from floppy disks to iPod. It's, it seems yeah, significantly improved. So I was just kind of curious if there's anything yeah. that stood out to you, but it sounds like the most important thing is that it is, you know, yeah. far and beyond where we started. So, yeah. yeah. And, and we're doing more sophisticated work. So we have more capacity to do additional model and data-driven processes. Um, we are learning, right? Like we're, we're just, we're, we're okay with evolving and learning from that. And I think that has, is really going to help us to try to make something more effective. The thing that not surprising, I guess, is that regardless of all the progress we have made, there are still the same issues. That many of those issues have not changed. So um, people were surprised that we talked to at the table. A lot of people I talked to um, when we shared the handouts, you saw the PDFs that's like, here's where we've been. People were really surprised when you could point things out to them, but unless it was near their house, the, the perception is that it, that didn't impact them. And so um, it's hard really for people to understand by beyond maybe a single, their single experience or that single project that impacts them, that this is a systematic approach and it's gonna, it's gonna take us decades. Um, and so we have to continue to recognize, okay, if we know where the plan is to do this again in five years, how can we make the most progress on some of these things, recognizing that reality of, that, of a time frame that gives us some really realistic work products that we can bring out of this to continue to make progress. Thanks, uh, Kevin. Oh, hi, I'm Kevin. Um, yeah, I, this has been very informative in with that survey. Um, yeah, that's some, that's some good stuff there, some good data. Um, but 
you know, as far as pedestrian stuff, uh, okay, I'm like so almost 63. So when I was a kid, work, you know, going to school in junior high in a wheelchair, there was no curb cuts. There was no nothing. I popped, you know, I popped wheelies <laughs> in my wheelchair. And yes, you know, it's like your parents, you know, I say, oh, I used to walk five miles in the snow. Yes, true. I did go four blocks in my wheelchair with no curb cuts and um, in the middle, but uh, my gosh, uh, times have changed since, I don't know, that was like, okay, 73, um, I was in junior high and, uh, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, stuff like this, um, just, you know, steering committees, stuff like this changes the life of everyone. And I appreciate everyone involved here. And I will pass. Thank you, Zmiak, Chair of the committee. Any other questions or comments before we move on to what's left of agenda item number three? And I think most everything we intended to present to you in agenda item three, we've already shared with you. So there's nothing else that I have for content for that. We okay. just incorporated it in. Sounds good. In that case, let's move on to section D updates, um, which is the updated existing conditions memo with a whole bunch of possibility services from last year and crash history from the last four to five years. Yeah, so Jessica Martin, your transportation planning manager, we have, we're going to continue to update that, right, as we continue to find and do information till we get to the end. So we have presented some stuff to you in there. Um, I don't, besides just being an update, we didn't figure there would be time on the agenda to present that. We can save that for conversation at a future meeting. I think some of that data is going to be important to inform some of the work that we want to do. Thank you, Zmiak, um, pedestrian plan. Steering committee chair, that sounds good. I had a yeah a couple of more technical comments on that, but I think that's probably better to save for another session because we're over time. Uh, speaking of me not managing this meeting as efficiently as I could, there are two potential um, public commenters here. So I don't know if, if you two want to comment, Janet and Janam, but if you do, um, just I guess let me know. All right, sounds like just, oh, Janet? I don't have anything particular to say. I wasn't able to prepare in advance. I'm glad that everybody's going through this and it's complicated. I do think it's worth pointing out the one thing that I noticed, especially in the survey, and it seems to me, I recall this from a previous ADA survey that the number one or number two uh, complaint was sidewalks in bad repair rather than missing sidewalks. I think, you know, gaps need to be filled, but if the sidewalks aren't trans, you, if you can't travel on them, you know, it, they're not that good. So I, I would really be happy to hear uh, the fix the sidewalks is a good 
high priority. The Kuzmiak chair, I can certainly sympathize with that. I was walking home last night in the dark here in East Lawrence and I'm an able-bodied uh, millennial and I almost ate it. Um, it's pretty dangerous out there in some spots. So, and I know this neighborhood fairly well at this point. So, um, <laughs> Janan, did you have any comments or um, just listening? Oh, I would have commented. Oh, this is Janan. Um, I would have, I, from my experience, I, I have a lot to say about the drivers and their behavior. But, yeah, well, and this also living for the first time in a suburb in my whole life, I actually learned um, how to, uh, to manage crossings with the behavior that exists here. Um, in simple terms, I would say that I would look at the driver, what he is doing, but it's because it's interesting that the driver is not only driving, but doing other things. So to be safe on the roads, um, yeah, I do look at the driver <laughs> to make sure that I do not get knocked off. That's what I would uh, say uh, for tonight. Thank you. I would encourage uh, both of you, if you have any more things to add later, that um, as we kind of learned tonight, the process of this steering committee is that even though this is the last scheduled meeting, we're far from done. So there is certainly still opportunity for input. So if you'd like to write probably Jessica and Ashley and then you two can see CEOs as need be. So I think it would be important to get your thoughts in. See, is there anything else? Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm Kevin. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just, um, okay. So um, I guess we'll get an email. I'd like to get a, okay, she mentioned uh, she's, she's going to put something together. So is that going to, be like sent out by email or um, do I, yeah. um, all the, all the graphs or, or the, well, in our day, in, in our work, in my work, it was PowerPoint, but I know that's a little more um, uh, extreme than PowerPoint, but uh, yeah, the presentation with, the graphs and charts and graphs and everything. I would love to get that where I, she's going to put it in PDF file. So how would I, in, I'm just curious, how would I inquire to get um, that yeah. link, whatever? Uh, I'm Ashley Breyer's transportation planner. So I will put that together in a PDF and I'll email it tomorrow to the committee. I sent everyone the demand line maps earlier. So that should be in your inbox. I did okay, not thank, thank you very much, Ashley. That's a, yeah. that's a lot of work. That's nice stuff. I'll, I'll get it to you tomorrow though. Kuzmiak, Western Plan Steering Committee Chair. If there is no additional comment, I think it is time to adjourn, right? There is nothing else on the agenda. So thanks all for your participation so far in these, what's been three meetings. Um, apologies for running over, but I feel like it's been worth it to get all the extra information and discussion in. So um, definitely.
I guess once again, I would encourage you to read through the comments if you can, um, even before sorting, just because it's it's just kind of good to see what people put on these surveys. And if you do have additional thoughts, uh, let's get those to Jessica and Ashley as they start the even harder work. So, thanks again, and um, I guess have a good rest of your, your evening. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.